0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Leaning In and Speaking Out. I'm Michelle Lam, and the host of the podcast, together with Jackie Kirk, my co-host. And um, this podcast is called Healing and Remembering Other Ways to Live, which I think is a very important topic these days, and I'm really excited to hear more about it from our guests, Rebecca and Zara. So I wonder if you could take a moment just to introduce yourself. Rebecca, would you like to go first? Uh, hi, I'm
1: Rebecca O'Kamau. I am a Cree educator from Treaty 5 territory, which is currently living and working in Treaty 2. I'm a mother of uh, four children. I have a 26-year-old, 14-year-old twins, and a 12-year-old. I'm also a teacher and a guidance counselor and just started a new role in language and land-based education.
2: That's great. Thank you. And Zara. Hi everyone, my name is Zara Kasimali. I'm originally from Treaty 6 in Edmonton, Alberta. Moved recently to Brandon in Treaty 2 territory and I'm working as an assistant professor in the Department of Curriculum and Pedagogy at BU. And I'm really excited to have our conversation. Me too. And Jackie, I sort of introduced you at the beginning, but do you wanna add a little bit?
3: Sure. I'm Jackie Kirk, and I am the chair of the Department of Leadership and Educational Administration at Brandon University. And um, I think this morning, I will just hope that uh, I can find something that will be helpful personally in the conversation. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think that uh, we have a lot of things to heal um, as we hope that we get close to the end of the pandemic i think all of us need some healing so i think this is a really important topic for today
0: Mm -hmm. thank you i i agree and i'm really looking forward to this and so i think we should set the stage a little bit first to talk about healing in the context of education healing is often talked about in healthcare and in other settings but less so in education so The first question would be, what does healing mean in the context of education?
1: Um, I can uh, go first, I guess. Sure, thanks. um, I think healing in the context of education would mean that we need to uh, remember that we are a team. We're all there for um, everyone in the school. So we're there for one another also our students and also to support our administration. So us as as staff, we can understand that our administration are people as well. Um, We can focus on efficacy in our schools, um, amongst our students, amongst our staff and amongst everyone that is there. Uh, I think it's important to come from a perspective of empathy and understanding uh, and Having flexibility, you know, it's been very, very tough over the last couple of years and making sure we're flexible enough and that our boundaries and expectations are not so rigid that we're not able to um, allow for that space of healing, that gray area where we need to be flexible in.
2: Thanks for that, Rebecca. That's really insightful in terms of really pondering alongside that flexibility uh, that we so need desperately. When I think about healing, I have to say that I'm a bit of an etymology dork and I love looking at the etymology dictionary, but I find it really interesting that healing is described as the restoration of health and wholeness. And I feel very often in schools there tends to be a focus on the intellectual aspects of ourselves solely. And thinking about how, you know, the, the spiritual, the physical, and the emotional are often overlooked in the process. And I think about how overlooking those aspects can certainly amplify matters related to any tensions that we're experiencing. Thinking about post-traumatic stress. Well, then I'm hoping. The end of this pandemic, and also thinking about the different fears and uncertainties that we carry, but then can be buried as a result of not honoring those different parts of ourselves. And as I share this, I'm thinking about a conversation that I had with a good friend just a couple of days ago, uh, talking about her nephew and how, he, you know, he continues to carry a lot of fear as a junior high student you know amidst covid and where they are living currently still being online but really having this fear in terms of the mortality of his parents and how he's been really carrying that inside and wondering what spaces that we can help to support and cultivate young people and support that wellness and have these truthful conversations that evoke so much vulnerability that's
0: so important and and heartbreaking for that boy and it just makes me think of the context that children are growing up in right it's not just the pandemic there's war and there's economic you know rising inflation that's causing family stress or there's you know climate anxiety there's all these things that are weighing heavily on children and I really liked what you said Rebecca at the very beginning about how we're a team as a school or as a staff or whatever our our organization might be. And it makes me think about self care and all the kind of talk in light of this big thing. And that's important, but I also wish there was more talk about other care and creating this sense of team and a sense of wholeness, not just as individuals. And sorry, you were talking about wholeness, but this idea that we can be a whole as a team by, by leaning on one another and caring for one another when we're feeling those pressures. Jackie, do you want to jump in with anything there? I see you sort of looking eager. Yeah, go ahead.
3: Well, I, I just keep thinking about that. I don't think we know where each other is at. And I think we have a lot of trouble sort of establishing that. And I've been thinking about it personally, and thinking about, you know, my friends would never know if I was struggling with things because I keep just going through my motions, right? Like I always keep doing the same things and I have to because it's healthy for me, but it also becomes part of the mask that, um, sort of makes it not visible. And As I, you know, sort of do some self-reflection, then I've been thinking about, um, you know, I wonder how many people that's happening to. There was lots in the media yesterday about a study that was saying that I think 34% of people between the ages of 18 and 34, maybe, um, were struggling with mental illness now as the pandemic wears on and that it just feels like it's never going to end. And the constant grind is just bringing them to a point that they're unhealthy. And I thought about some of the people that I know and, you know, because I, I teach in that age group and I just kept thinking, you know, I wouldn't know because they keep going through the regular motions and it's hard from the outside perspective to, understand and Z- Zara when you talk about the 13 year old boy then I get thinking yeah it'll be the same with children we won't know do you think
0: that maybe we've forgotten something like do you think that a long time ago we would have known one another or do you feel like you know Zari talked or the the name of this episode is remembering other ways right and so What have we forgotten along the way that's made it into this sort of hyper individualistic competitive way of being like, how can we get back to a more caring and supportive world where we do know how each other is doing.
2: I think just dwelling with these insights I think a lot of the struggles that we find ourselves collectively enmeshed in is that we've really become seduced by the fallacy of thinking that we're separate from each other and i continue to wonder if you know that is connected to forgetting our sacred ecological roots and you know thinking about sacred ecology and the things that gift us life such as sun inspired energy the water the wind the ground everything that makes life possible in that creative inspiration but as I share this, I think about the myth of you and I. And there's actually a really beautiful poem by my favorite poem, poet, sorry, Rumi, that I would love to share that I think really encapsulates these sentiments. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to just share it here in the moment. So Rumi shares, faithful friend, come, come closer, let go of you and I come quickly, you and I, have to live as if you and I never heard of a you and I. And that's a poem that I continue to revisit when I think about how, as Jackie, you were saying earlier, we don't seem to have an understanding of what each other is lifting. And just thinking about what Rebecca, you were saying earlier about this is a team, a collective effort. And it seems that within the confines, if we're talking about schooling and curriculum of that neoliberal agenda, that seems to be completely overlooked and really perpetuating a lot of that imbalance that we so need to address head on.
0: I wanna turn it over to you, Rebecca, because you are the only one of us that are in a school at this moment. And so from the schooling, worlds and I know Zara it hasn't been that long since you were teaching also so feel free to jump in too if there's something you'd like to say but when you think about remembering and how that implies that we've forgotten something what do you think has been forgotten do you have anything to add to what Zara has said
1: um I think in my experience at the school I think sometimes uh we forget that youth are still children right so they are still developing if something has happened and has stunted their emotional growth, um, we have to remember that they are still children in maybe adult bodies, right? So they have to, they still need that support. They still need teachable moments. They still need um, us as educators to help them with the strategies um, they need to get through these tough times. As you were saying, like the 13 year old boy, that fear, what strategies can we help provide him uh, to get through those difficult moments? So, f- not forgetting that us as educators have the tools to help others, but we also um, cannot forget that they're still young and that it is our job or our role to help them get through those 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 moments, um, and also helping as a staff member to help those that are around us as well and being a supportive person um, for those that may be having um, difficulties within our within our work environment as well.
0: It's Such a good reminder and we do forget, you know, especially in the the busyness of have to meet these outcomes or have to get to this goal, you know, and it can be a really important thing to put that front and center and remind ourselves. in in terms of the strategies that you talked about, are there other ways of living that could be important to consider in this kind of crazy environment that we seem to be in with this pandemic and all the upheaval that's going on in the world? What other ways of living might be important to consider, either strategies for school or more broadly?
1: Um, I think one of the strategies like uh, that... I constantly use in my everyday life is that knowing that I've set long-term goals or short-term goals and I'm still working for those but making sure I'm present in today so today is what I have do I have tomorrow I'm not sure if I wake up yes I do it's being able to live in that present moment and enjoying the smallest things you have and also being grateful for what you have in that day if we're not able to find something to be grateful for um that should you know kind of trigger um that our mindset isn't in in you know in a in a good place and then looking at okay what do i need to work on today um and then looking at the physiological um parts of it so i know zara you had mentioned before the physical the emo- emotional mental and spiritual i think it's very important like I have a framework that I kind of look at sometimes in a medicine wheel that people have put in. Um, What part of those domains have I not done today or um, having some type of um, framework to help us along? Sarah, do you
0: wanna
2: jump in there? For sure. That's really beautiful, Rebecca, just thinking alongside what you have just shared. I think a lot about for me, I, during the time the pandemic actually started, I was teaching uh, grade 10 and 11 social studies and English language arts and ESL. And I remember so vividly before that, that many of the students that I was fortunate to come into relationship with were really struggling with, you know, adjusting to high school were carrying a lot of anxiety and wondering how they would be able to get through the tasks of the day with balancing their lives as new high school students, their personal things that were going on, such as, you know, friction at home, for example, um, things happening with boyfriends, girlfriends, other peers, teachers, you know, making it to swim practice and volleyball and trying to keep up academically and already worrying about what next, you know, and that plan B and really unable to really connect with themselves inside and be really present to the moment, Rebecca, as you highlighted. So I remember that they really initially hated me. And resented the fact that we spent, you know, a lot of time trying to do grounding activities where the self was really implicated, and trying to bring forth, you know, less distance between an objectified view of who we are and really trying to get to know who we are in relation to others. So I think without having that cultivated time, and it's so hard. I know in schools, just thinking back. You know, recently to being in high school and having more than several moving pieces, all these things being thrown at you and so many different responsibilities and really wanting to honor each individual as a whole being. But thinking about that importance of taking those moments, being able to have pregnant pauses and not thinking that you have to respond right away, uh, not feeling that you have to hit every outcome that you've laid out for yourself and feeling like if you don't that you failed and when I think about this I think about guidance uh, from Elder Bob Cardinal who's from Enoch Cree Nation in Alberta and someone who has inspired me a lot in my own life and my daily living in my own practices but I remember him always saying you know don't rush take time and slow down and of course we know in schools that is so difficult to do it seems like that's such a heavy juxtaposition to the realities but some of the things that we tried to do was to slow down in that way to dwell when things called our attention Uh, we used to do a lot of different sorts of reflective practice um, free writing arts-based approaches And one of the things that I've been carrying forth into, you know, post-secondary teaching is also being able to have that time in class to be quiet, especially now, even if it means five to 10 minutes at the beginning of class and honoring that practice, um, whether it's through different meditative practices, um, any spiritual practices that might resonate with students or not, anything that can bring you peace And grounding in your own life, and remembering that it's okay to feel out of balance, and that that's always a process that's elusive, and that we're working towards together.
0: Makes me wonder. I know there's so many spiritual traditions that have that kind of practice of centering in the moment, and they call it different things, but it seems like a a thread through the different religions that I know, Um, and it makes me wonder as we're on this kind of treadmill and schools are a good example, but they're not the exception. I don't think, I think in, in many careers, people feel like what you were saying earlier, Jackie, like just have to keep going through the motions, even if you're not doing okay. And so I wonder if, because we're feeling like we need to keep going, keep going, keep going. And you kind of numb inside or just don't think about how you're doing inside in order to keep performing, How can schools in light of that sort of ethos, how can schools support connections to a more embodied way of knowing how can they bring students back into that place where they recognize that they're not okay, or they have skills to know what to do when they're not okay, how can schools do that I think we've touched on it a little bit but let's, let's flesh it out a little more. And Jackie, I want to hear from you too, because as an administrator, your view might be a little different. So chime in too, if you can.
1: Um, I think I'll just, I don't like, I I think I'll just go with, um, that it's super important to connect your body and your mind. So your thoughts and how your body is feeling. Um, it's, we're not always aware of where we're tense or we're not always aware of the physiological reaction we we have to something. So um, I think being able to foster those connections uh, amongst students and then teach them how to do that or give them the opportunities to have those experiences, to know how to do that or even be aware of the language or uh, providing um those types of inter- interactions and situations. So uh, I was a phys ed teacher. If I noticed kids were super tired and they were coming in, they're like, oh, I don't want to do gym today because I played uh, hockey until 11 PM last night. So some days I would pull out the mats and then we would do a meditative activity before we actually started in phys ed because they needed to take care of their body. And they were, kids that were active right before before the pandemic and they needed this time but then also after the pandemic during this was the only time they actually got to be physically active because so many of the sports and things were taken away so i managed the time based on what is happening with the students or whatever is happening with them it's paying attention to them Um, but also just providing those opportunities and strategies uh, for students so they can make those connections, mind and body connection.
2: Thanks for that, Rebecca, just so beautifully shared. And when I'm thinking about your insights with that, restoring that mind and body connection, I think a lot about, you know, those challenges of being able to Really identify within your body what you're feeling. Since we're so accustomed to living in our heads, and I know for myself, I was really guilty of that for a large part of my life. I didn't really realize what I was overlooking in my day to day life and living, and didn't realize the harm that it was doing to myself and the relationships alongside others that I care about so much. And I think that it took really remembering how to realize that we do have other forms of knowledge that are just as important as our intellectual understandings. And I think about exercises which initially can be seen as hokey when it's something that we're not necessarily uh, accustomed to or familiar with, but having those spaces in schools where it's not abnormal to have that check-in to be able to say, where are we feeling something in our bodies? Is it sitting in our stomachs? Is it sitting deep in our chest? Is something really weighing in on our head? What information or understanding is this trying to give us here and now in the moment? And really, you know, supporting that guidance that if we're not well in ourselves, that translates into everything that we do that comes out in our actions in our words and how we're coming into relationship. And you know when you were talking about you know a medicine meal model, Rebecca, I was also thinking about um, Elder Bob's guidance again, and how one of the things that he would always tell us was that you know keep things simple, don't overcomplicate. And for me, I always like to talk about how I've often gotten in my own way, <laughs> and by overcomplexifying things that really didn't need to be or thinking that I couldn't honor process alongside my students. And when I say this, I think about, you know, that importance of vulnerability and that, you know, as educators and school leaders, administrators, that it's so important to show who we are to our students and that we don't have it all figured out. And that we're alongside honoring the moment here and now, and thinking about how I love how Brene Brown says it—that when we numb pain, we also numb joy. So really thinking about that balance, and you know, supporting that balance, but bringing it back to Elder Bob, one of the things that he inspired through you know pre-interpretations or notions of medicine wheel teachings or four directions teachings was you know guiding. students to recover those different dimensions of themselves through let's say getting them to paint where they see themselves honoring those different aspects in their life and being really able to visualize and then have that understanding of what's being perhaps overlooked or left out and the consequences of that perhaps.
3: Thanks, Sarah. Jackie, anything to add there? Sure. Um I, you're making me think a lot about schools and I think teachers have changed. I think teachers are getting better. I see lots of my um, young pre-service teachers that are thinking about meditation in their classrooms and thinking about how they can coach students to have some of those skills as they're growing up so that when they get to be 13 years old, that they have some skills already to address some of those Uncomfortable feelings. Um, And I think about myself as a young teacher, and I am an extreme extrovert, and I like noise and I like action and I like things to be really exciting. But I think one of the things that I've learned as I've matured is that quiet is good. And I like what you said, Zara, about um, having moments in your classroom that are quiet. In the last few years when I've been teaching classroom management, I always talk to my students about that and I do it in that class because it's so calming and, you know, we become calm with each other, right? So I think sometimes we talk and we make noise and we do silly things because we're uncomfortable being within that space together and being quiet together changes that relationship. And I think sometimes we need to think more about and I think that for teachers, um, I think there's other teachers that are like me that just don't get it quite. And um, I think that as leaders and administrators, um, we need to think about that group of people and about how we can coach them and help them because it's good personally, right? And so you have the healthier teacher and you'll have healthier students. But I think lots of those things that you're talking about are so important for teachers to learn. And some are really good at it. And I think more and more are better at it. Um, But some of us had a ways to go. I think
0: you're totally right, Jackie, that it is starting to make its way into a more mainstream world. Um, I've been in a few meetings recently where the facilitator started, and this is on Zoom, but the facilitator started with grounding activities, and I've had a few experiences like this, whether it's like, let's all close our eyes and take three deep breaths, or let's all look uh, beyond our computers and identify something that can bring you into the room, you know, those kinds of activities The first time I experienced it, I was like, what are we doing? Like, this is like Zoom work meeting. Let's, you know, but I love it now. I feel like it is so calming and it does sort of bring everyone into the space in a different way. And so I'm like you, Jackie, it was something I needed to practice to feel more comfortable, but um, definitely can see the benefit now and, and would like to bring that into other spaces that I inhabit too. So when we're thinking about bringing it back to sort of full circle to that idea of being a team and caring for one another, how can we do that? Let's, let's make it really practical. How can we care for both ourselves and for each other during the crazy times that we're living in? Any ideas, any thoughts?
3: Well, I'll start because yeah, I think we need to make the assumption that the people around us are not okay. Mm-hmm. That the people around us are struggling. And I think we need to treat them with kindness and with reverence and with um, love, I think. And I think we need to be vulnerable enough and have enough courage to be with them that way. And to, like Zara said, um, we need to forget that there was a you and me or a you and I. I I think that's really.
2: I, I love we're, that.
3: We're all at the end of the pan, or we're all two years into the pandemic, and there's not very many healthy people.
1: I. I agree that you know we should um, assume that people are not um, okay with the pandemic, and some have struggled, and some have you know maybe suffered a little bit more than others, um, either by you know just the isolation, uh, very extroverted people that have turned you know maybe are very introverted now, or have experienced or lived with some fear. So I think um, reaching out is is super important at this time. Um, Checking in with people that we know um, and also offering, you know, are you okay? Would you like to go out for a walk today? Or, you know, something that maybe is out of the norm um, if we're all sitting back waiting for someone to make that offer. The, um, maybe we need to step out of our comfort zone and um, look after our neighbor a little bit more than we have in the past.
2: Well, thank you for that, Rebecca. I think a lot about, and just what Jackie said earlier about assuming that people are not doing well. And I think about, you know, restor- restoring what it means to be fully human, and that sometimes there can be a tendency to treat our daily interactions as a very clinical, empty affair. And just assuming that, oh, I'm here to do my job, or I'm here to be a student, and that's it, and nothing more. But thinking about, you know, what is overlooked in that process, and what can really cause harm And further amplify a lot of pain that we might be assuming and really thinking about if we're going back to that vulnerability, some things that we think or have become comfortable with assuming that we can't address or that we cannot talk about, um, I guess, in relation to classroom spaces when we're maybe thinking about policy or even thinking about assessments. Oh, this isn't going to fly. This isn't going to support those standardized assessments um, that we need to have students prepared for. And when I think about this, I think a lot about, you know, the extent to which students I have come alongside in high school, particularly and pre-service teachers that I have worked with for the last 10 years and thinking about the extent to which, you know, having conversations that really address, you know, pain um, that we experience in different ways. You know, how much is that actually brought in in our daily life and living? And there often tends to be a focus on being happy, that this sense of we really need to be happy all the time, and that's going to solve all our problems. But when I think about, you know, guidance from Rumi again, I'm going to share one small poem <laughs> that's entitled pain. And he shared that, how do you ever expect for your heart to become polished like a mirror without putting up with the pain of polish? So I think about that sense of avoidance and thinking about not paying attention to our body knowledge And remembering that, of course, as you remember, Rebecca, that you were saying earlier, we have those physiological responses, those things that we are carrying deep inside that need to be addressed and that this could be an opportunity As we find ourselves, you know, continue to be enmeshed in war and so many things being thrown at us to really reconceptualize what pain means and what it can teach us that it doesn't have to be a swear word, so to speak, Um, something that we have to, you know, just bury under the rug.
0: Thanks for that, Sarah. We're almost nearing our time. And there was a little part of me that was like, oh, I should ask some kind of question about what gives you hope and we'll end. But then given what you just said, Sarah, I won't sort of be tempted to tie it up with a nice happy bow. And I think it might be better. Is there one more poem that you really love that you'd like to share with us? And we could end it that
2: way. Sure. I'm putting right. Put right on the spot, but um, yeah, I see your book it's there. It's all good. I'm just trying to find one that I really, really like. And it's actually called, this is a good one to leave off on, but it's, it's by the poet Atar, and it's called Becoming Whole. If you are a whole human, see all, seek all, Become all, be all, choose all.
0: Thank you for that. Are there any final thoughts before we wrap up? Rebecca, Jackie, Zara?
1: Just this week for myself, um, I think that the care for ourselves um, is to find joy in the mundane. Um, you know, my coffee, does it taste good this morning? Was my drive to work, even though I drive half an hour each way every day, the sunrise or the sunset is always different and the sky's always a different color. Did I see a moose today on my drive to work? And so even though that hour every day is always the same, It isn't always the same. And so taking that time to really understand that each day has some joy you can find within it. So find the joy in the mundane. And that's how we can start to live a little bit happier, healthier life.
0: Jackie, don't you feel like we're so blessed with these wise women on our episode today? (laughs) I feel like- What a great way to start our start our day. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm so
3: thankful that you came to join us. Um, This has been a great conversation. And yeah, just thanks so much for coming to the show and to participating with us. And I think it'll be a valuable episode for the people who listen. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much.
0: Yes, thank you very much.
2: Thanks so much for having us. It's really been an honor and a good way to begin the day.
1: Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you.